and welcome to this latest episode in our Herbert Smith Freehills Public m podcast series. My name's Antonia Kirkby and I'm joined today by Robert Moore, who's one of our public m partners here. Today we're going to talk about the conditions to an offer, in particular focusing on antitrust or competition conditions and the takeover panel's approach if a bidder wants to invoke one. Now we've talked in previous episode about invoking conditions to an offer, um, but we're coming back to it today as the panel has recently updated its practice statement on invoking conditions. So that's all discussed in practice statement five, their approach to what happens if a bidder wants to invoke a condition. And as we said in our previous episode, and anyone who's familiar with the UK regime will know that the panel imposes a pretty high bar to invoking a condition, and that approach definitely hasn't changed. Um, but what they've done in updating the practice statement is just give more detail on its approach in particular situations. So, Bob, do you want to just start with talking us through what the code says about invoking conditions to an offer? Sure. Rule, rule 13.5 says that an offeror may only invoke a condition or, or a precondition to an offer with the consent of the panel. Uh, now, consent will normally only be given if the circumstances which give rise to the right to invoke the condition are of material significance to the offer or in the context of the offer, the, the so-called material significance requirement. Um, and the rule goes on to make clear that the material significance requirement does not apply to all conditions. So, for example, it doesn't apply to the acceptance condition, a shareholder approval on the scheme, um, uh, the acceptance condition on offer, I should have said, um, and nor does it apply to any condition required to give legal effect to the transaction, so admission of consideration shares to listing. So if we now move on to practice statement five, and in particular what the panel has changed, what, what difference, what changes have they made to it? Well, as you, as you said, the changes they don't reflect a significant change in practice, but they are intended to give parties more of a steer about the panel's approach um, when deciding whether to allow a condition to be invoked. So the practice statement now categorises different types of conditions and, and sets out six categories in total. The first being the acceptance condition or the condition relating to the approval of the scheme. And the second, the conditions which give effect to a legal or regulatory requirement. So, as I said, on securities exchange offer conditions relating to the issue of, of, of bidder shares. The, these are not subject to the material significance requirement and do not require panel consent to invoke them. The third category of conditions relates to long stop dates, mini long stop dates in relation to schemes. These are also not subject to Rule 13.5. Um, a, but the practice statement does discuss the panel's approach to lapsing an offer on the long stop date. And then the remaining categories are bespoke conditions, so those relating to a non-occurrence effectively of a specific event or circumstances in relation to the target that, that's specifically called out. Conditions relating to official authorizations and regulatory clearances that 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 doubt will come on to. And then material adverse change max, max and other general protective conditions. So the, the category six conditions. These are subject to rule 
5.5a and so a bidder will only be allowed to invoke one of these conditions if the circumstances are of material significance to the bidder in the context of the offer and the practice statement then discusses what the panel will look at when deciding whether a condition can be invoked um, and as was the case before it will help if for example the condition has been specifically negotiated um, if it is drawn to the attention of shareholders in the offer scheme document, so that doesn't mean just sticking it at the back in the conditions, but bringing it up front into the main body of the um, of the agreement. And then for category six conditions, so the MAC, for example, the circumstances which are being relied on to invoke the condition must be of very considerable significance, striking at the heart of the purpose of the transaction. Um, and the two key panel rulings in relation to invoking a condition are the Brigadier Mossbros bid in 2020, which um, occurred around the beginning of COVID and was related to, to COVID and lockdowns, and the WPP Tempest bid from 2001 related to the, um, timing-wise, related to the 9-11 attacks. And those two in particular focused on whether the circumstances that arose could have reasonably been foreseen at the time of the um, 2.7 firm offer announcement. Yeah, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, but it, it is a really high bar um, if you want to invoke a MAC, isn't it? So the Brigadier Mossbros bid, they weren't allowed to invoke their condition because the announcement was made after the it had been declared a pandemic and things like that. But, it, you know, it, a very high bar indeed to me, but that's not what we're focusing on today. So bring that brings us back to the one category I think we haven't covered, which is conditions relating to um, official authorizations and regulatory regulatory clearances. And this is the area where the panel has really expanded its guidance in practice statement five. So do you want to just um, talk us through what they've said and what the background is to it? Yeah. So all, all, always an important area, increasingly so as the regulatory environment becomes um, even more tricky and involved. And as we're seeing more and more referrals and involvement from regulators around the world, including in the UK. Um, so state, just taking a step back, the CMA um, in the UK, when deciding whether to clear a deal, will will take a preliminary um, review of it. Now that may be just as a via a briefing paper and then confirming they have no questions or actually um, a phase one um, review process with clearance either because the parties um, have gone straight to that uh, or because the CMA have requested that a merger filing being put in and a reminder in, in the UK of course that uh, it isn't mandatory to to um, put a merger filing in, unlike certain other jurisdictions. Um, and of course, following that phase one, either clearance is obtained via remedies or without remedies, or if there are continued to be concerns, then uh, you proceed to a more detailed phase two investigation and similar process and similar sort of structure um, to how the European Commission deals with um uh, merger approvals under the eu merger regulation um typically on on an offer a bidder will include a no phase two reference condition so if the cma or other competition regulator decides it will need to do a more detailed investigation 
the bidder can seek to invoke the condition rather than having to spend the time, effort and cost involved in the phase two investigation, which in the UK can 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 take you know, 12 months and, and be incredibly uh, intensive, both both in terms of time, um, effort and cost. However, the bidder may um, at that point decide it is in fact willing to go ahead with the phase two reference which means that they would have to waive their no phase two condition. And then if they have not included a specific condition allowing them to lapse at the end of the phase two investigation, because, for example, they, they do not get clearance or the remedies uh, imposed on them are too great, they would have to fall back on a general sweeper condition that is typically found around all regulatory clearances, uh, etc. Um, in the normal conditions to an offer. So the, the panel was uncomfortable with, with, with this, but, but they recognised that parties might think that if they include a specific condition that acknowledges that they're willing to go to a phase two investigation, that may undermine the position of a bidder who actually wants to invoke the condition at the end of phase one, i.e. the panel, the concern was the panel would say, well, you must have anticipated going to phase two because you put a phase two condition in. And so to deal with that, that, that concern, the panel have now expanded their guidance to say including a phase two condition or agreeing a long stop date that reflects a timetable for a phase two in investigation, i.e. a very long, a long stop, will not in itself prejudice the bidder's ability to invoke a condition at the end of phase one. And more than that, they say a bidder should think very carefully about not including um, one, either specifically or generally, because if a phase two reference is made, but the offer is not subject to phase two clearance condition, the consequence will be that the bidder will not, as a result of that, be able to lapse the offer if the clearance is not obtained at the end of the phase two investigation. Thanks, Bob. Really helpful explanation there. Um, obviously, quite a convoluted sort of procedure to, to talk through, but... Um, I think the key takeaway, as you say, is you need to include this additional condition to an offer now if you've got a phase two, in case you get referred to phase two. And it's worth mentioning, I think, that the takeovers working party of the City of London Law Society and the Law Society have updated their standard conditions to an offer. So they published them originally when, when the um, conditions and offer timetable were amended a couple of years ago in the code. Um, and they've updated this to reflect this latest guidance from the panel and actually also to include um, a condition for the national security investment regime and the new EU foreign subsidies regulation. Um, so worth looking at for those. They are or certainly will be available on the City of London Law Society website if anyone wants to take a look at them. Um, thanks, Bob, for joining me today and talking that through with us. And thank you to, to our listeners. We really welcome any feedback or thoughts you have on our podcasts and anything you'd like us to see discussed in future episodes. Um, but otherwise, we'll say goodbye for now and look forward to you joining us on our next one. Thank you.